Welcome to Life's Pivots and Potholes. Each podcast is a fun, deep dive into how other people from varying occupations, age groups, and countries navigated their life decisions. Join us as we discuss the unexpected benefits, funny stories, and difficulties faced, which all led to the next stage of life. Today, I'm talking with Vicki Bottleson, and Vicki, welcome to Pivots and Potholes. Thank you. And so glad you're here. And the thing that's really exciting about where Vicki is right now in her life is she's in the middle of a pivot. I am. So yeah, what is going on with that? Well, um, I've sort of been, I've been at my current job as a marketing and events manager um, for nine years. And, you know, really for the past kind of five years, for various reasons, I've had my eye open, looking for something else and just kind of not sure if I wanted to stay for one reason or another. I mean, there's been management changes and all these kinds of reasons, but I, I've progressively been getting kind of burnt out and, and bored a little bit, um, even though there's certain aspects of my job that I really like. I've sort of been looking for my replacement for a long time, and I've been thinking about leaving. And my friends that I play music with at Renaissance fairs and whatnot moved a year ago up to Northern California, up into the Redwoods, and they have been wanting me to come up there, and I just haven't been able to to do it. I mean, I owned a house and all this kind of stuff, so it's just kind of come to, I guess, I guess ahead in a way um, where the universe aligned, and I decided to go ahead and jump, so I, I've been going through personal things and I'm kind of tired of my town and I, <laughs> I'm ready to move on to a next phase of life. I just decided that what I wanted is not what I have now and I'd like to make the change and I'd like to uh, move up to Northern California with my friends. So I gave my notice just this past Friday um, I actually spent the previous couple of months uh, working on my house that I had bought on my own um, that I bought in 2018 in March. And uh, so for the last couple of three or four months, I was working on the house, getting it ready to sell with this in mind. And still the whole time thinking, oh, do I want to do this? I don't have to sell my house. I love my house. Uh, do I have to? Like, no, I don't have to. Do I want to? Do I really want to? And suddenly like it all just kind of happened really fast like my my good friend up here uh, is a realtor and uh once i fixed a bunch of stuff on my house she said i I have these cash buyers that are looking for a little mountain cabin kind of like yours i think and i'd love to show it to them and i said well uh okay you know so she brought them by it was the first house they'd even seen up here and it was the first person to even see my house and they made me an offer, a cash offer, and I accepted it. And then in 30 days it was closed. So I closed May 21st and I moved out. I didn't even know where I was going to go. Um, I was about two weeks towards the closing and I went into my office and I said to my, my office mate, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I don't really have a place to go. I have my two cats and uh, I'm selling my house <laughs> and I don't really, and I've spoken to her about it before. She knew I was going through all this and she said, you know what? I don't know why I didn't think about this before. I have a, 
a little apartment. It's just a little studio apartment above a garage that I rent because we rent the garage to store our plumbing stuff because her husband's a plumber. And she goes, you, you could go there. And I was like, really? <laughs> She's like, yeah, like 600 bucks a month. I'm like, oh my God, that's perfect. <laughs> so I put all my stuff in storage, except for my essentials, cleaned the house out, fixed everything that needed to be fixed with all the inspections and everything, closed on May 21st, moved into this little apartment. Everything I have is in storage. I'm free and ready to go wherever I want to go. And I gave my notice now and, and now I'm just sort of planning my next move. And here we go. Okay. So you were, you were planning on going to Northern California and we're going to get to the Ren Faire little piece there in a few minutes, but so in the middle of you doing this big life pivot, Right. Did you get some offers for some other possible <laughs> life pivot moves? Well, yeah. Well, first of all, when I gave my notice on Friday, um, my regional manager said, Vicki, I don't want to lose you. Where are you going? And I told her I was going to Northern California. She said, we have properties up there. Would you want to be a property manager? Uh, we, we, I want to look for something for you. I, I'm going to introduce you to people. So I'm like, oh boy, uh, a job already. <laughs> okay. Well, that might be good. All right. So uh, I'm open to that. So I'll go to Northern California. I keep working for the same company. That sounds fine. That sounds great. And then today I got a text from a company who I'd sent my resume to a month or a month and a half ago, um, who was looking for an executive assistant for some billionaire guy in Puerto Rico. And I in, just now, like minutes ago, had my first phone interview and they love me and want me to meet the next person up. So I might just, I don't know. I just might be going to some weird eccentric job for six months to a year, traveling all over the world, doing something completely different. And it's not what I was thinking. I, I was thinking I wanted to like slow down and be more peaceful in life. And this next phase of my life would be more relaxed and a little less stressful. And, you know, I'm getting up there and I don't want to work so hard anymore, you know? So I thought that's the direction I was going, but now how can I pass up such a weird lucrative opportunity to travel all over the world and meet lots of interesting people and kind of work my butt off. And I'm basically be giving up everything I have and everything I do and giving up being with my friends and my social life and everything. But it's kind of like, I can do that for six months to a year. Maybe I, maybe I should try it. I'd be, I'd be kind of a fool maybe to pass up an opportunity like this. Cause these things don't just happen to you all the time. And I don't know. I don't know if the universe is just saying, okay, let's throw this at her. Let's throw this at her. See what she does. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I don't know what the universe is thinking, but I, you know, for some reason, I mean, I have looked for a job for the last five years because I knew I kind of wanted to leave my current job. I was, you know, in a lot of ways, I was not that happy. I was happy about some things, but not happy about others. So I kind of had had my eye open. I've even been on some interviews and nothing was happening. And suddenly when I made the decision to make a life change without a safety net, I had no net. I didn't have a job up in Northern California. All I really have is friends willing to put me up for no rent for a while until I find something. So now I've got multiple opportunities all coming out of the woodwork and I don't know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) 
And it seems kind of clear that the answer, <laughs> oh my gosh, should I be doing this? You know, it, it is a definite yes. If you've got these, these, everything is coming together easily and smoothly. It's yeah. an indication you're headed in the right direction. I, that's right. how I see but it. But both of these opportunities are great opportunities that I would love. And I don't know which one, how do you know which one is right? I don't know. You have to follow your gut, I think. And I have to think it through, maybe do some writing about it and meditate on it. You no, know? but I, I, I don't, I don't really know. Well, see, that was going to be my question is, you know, what is your process for determining mm. the, the best of fabulous, two fabulous scenarios? <laughs> well, in the past, I have always just really followed my gut. I just decide what I want and I go for it and that's it. And that's all there is to it. I just follow my gut. I want this, I want that. And I go for it. And usually when I'm very, very, very clear about what I want, I usually get it. Um, this, this is the first time I've ever pivoted um, and been a little unclear. All I was really clear about was that I wanted to clean up my life, sell my house, get flexible so I could move in any direction I want. And I was leaving it a little open-ended, although I had this Northern California direction really clearly in my path. Um, you know, that's been in my path for over a year. Why now? I don't know exactly. It just sort of felt like the right time. I, I, I can only say I go with my gut, really. Um, as far as choosing which one of these opportunities, I have no idea. I'm literally in the middle of it right now. And I, I, I have to say there's something in me, there's something weird in me that is attracted to these weird, eccentric people, eccentric, weird opportunities, strange jobs. You know, I, I just, I'm sort of attracted to that stuff. So in a way I'm sort of, I'm lean, I'm feeling the leaning toward it. I'm feeling leaning happening. I feel it. So I just pay attention to my feelings and I try to think logically. I, I do, I, I'll write down pros and cons, things like that. You know, um, one of the con pros and con things that came up just a few minutes ago in my mind was, okay, so in six months to a year after I've done this weird job, where does that leave me? in six months to a year. So then, I mean, my friends are still in Northern California. I'm still planning on go, going to them at that time and being with them and living in the Redwoods. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> That's kind of what I want, <laughs> but maybe right now is the time. Maybe it's six months to a year from now. So that's still going to be there. But where does that leave me job-wise in six to eight, six to months to a year? Am I going to, is this weird job just going to be a weird job on my resume or should I go for the property management job and stick to something a little more uh, reasonable, secure, normal? I, I don't know. But honestly, I've never been the kind of person to, to go for normal. So it just feels like Vicky, me, Vicky, I'm, I'm too weird. I can't pass up weird. I just can't. <laughs> I, I think that's valid. And I think that's amazingly, fabulously self-aware. Okay, I do. I, I, Vicky, Vicky is absolutely one of those um, free spirits. That's how I've always viewed you. I am. Yeah. I yeah. Am. And, and so let's go back. We're going to come yeah. back to this, but let's go back. So you, you are a singer, which yes. that's, that's the Ren Fair, and Vicki will tell you more about the Ren Fair and, and mm -hmm. her little winch days. Are you a winch? Yeah. 
Is it a witch? I'm a peasant. I'm a peasant. Peasant. She's a peasant. Okay. I knew knew there was a title. I knew there was a title. So, so you. People have different views on what to call themselves because, you know, there's, you know, political correctness about certain things. Okay. These days. You're going to have to. um, Oh, got it. I don't even know it all. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. So Vicki is an amazing singer and you've been singing your whole life. My whole life, um, ever since I could sing, uh, my favorite version of the encyclopedia that I had, the Childcraft Encyclopedias, was the one, the two versions, with the two volumes, were the music one and the poetry one, and I just poured through those constantly. I was singing harmonies when I was five, six years old. I tried to force my friends to sing the melody, and I would sing harmony with them. And <laughs> if they couldn't hold the melody, I'd be like mad. <laughs> 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 probably hated me but uh yeah I've been singing ever since I was a kid and uh I, you know I've done a lot of recording and traveling and singing with bands and you know all growing up through choir and and uh you know theater I didn't I've done a lot of theater as well not a lot but a, a good amount and uh ever since I was like 13 years old I was doing college level theater um summer conservatories and things like that it it kept me sane in my chaotic childhood. And um, so, yeah, I've always been a performer. I'm comfortable on stage. Um, it's kind of my lifeblood. So it's it's what I need. It's, it's like breathing. Um, so wherever I can find, a, a, you know, a, so, so several years ago, I met some people who did Renaissance fairs and we were at a party and I was with my, um, I think at the time he was just my boyfriend, not my husband. And um, he was into Renaissance fairs. And so he took me to these parties and the Renaissance fair and everything. And I met all these people and we were at a party once and everybody started playing music and I started singing with them and we're having a great time. And after this party, a couple of people approached me and said, we want to form a group with you. You want to do it? (laughs) And I said, well, uh, sure. So we started up. And so for the past 10 years, I've been singing professionally with this group, the Story Wrens, uh, Story, W-R-E-N-S, Story Wrens. Um, And we've made a couple of albums and we play at Renaissance Fairs. It's a labor of love. You know, we don't make a lot of money, but sometimes it pays enough to pay for the gas and our lunch. Uh, (laughs) But uh, sometimes not even that. Uh, But we do, we camp out and we hang out and it's, it's wonderful. And the music itself is intricate and fun. We sing story songs that are fairly period, a lot of period type songs, at least the stories are period. Some of the music is a little touch more modern because we've written it. <laughs> we've written some original stuff and um, we take a lot of traditional tunes and rework them and a lot of heavy harmonies. And my bandmates are the most brilliant musicians. I, I'm just a singer. I mean, they play multiple instruments, you know, harp, mandolin, fiddle, cello, you know, just like every, everything. I mean, they're just amazing. And so without them, I'm nothing. But we have a wonderful time and a wonderful relationship and they're the nicest people ever. And I I just have to play with them. I, it's just a must. I love that. I love that. And well, I mean, music has, it, it's kind of been a through line of your whole life. And and I noticed yeah. that you, um, you were on the Ellen show, like the original yeah. Ellen show. Yeah, the original sitcom, like not the interview show, but the sitcom 
um, I, somehow I knew somebody and they needed a band and she was doing an episode uh, of uh, like in her coffee shop, they were doing an episode where they were having a battle of the bands kind of talent show type thing <laughs> and they needed a band. And so my, my first husband and I were playing music together. And so uh, I forgot who, what friend it was, but they were like, Hey, do you guys want to do this thing? And I was like, yeah, sure. So we went 6am in the morning and played rock and roll. We played an original song and the rest of the band was mad at me because I made double what they made because I not only sang, but I played a guitar. And because I did two things, I got paid twice as much. <laughs> and uh, so that was like our, our little television, you know, thing. And it's now on DVD. And, and that's a weird thing, too. Like, so my first husband, one of my life quakes in life, um, my first husband had emotional issues that I tried to help him with, but I didn't realize what they were about. And he, you know, would do things that I would like not understand and try to help him talk about it, but he wouldn't talk about it and stuff. So eventually he, he, he had affairs on me and I like, why are you doing this? And I forgive you, but like, let's talk, let's get counseling something. Anyway, one time he just came home and said he wanted a divorce. So I was like, okay, fine. And, and it, I was not okay. Fine. I broke a statue and I was pissed off and mad and hurt and so angry. I mean, especially with a first divorce, your whole life shakes up. Like my, I felt like I had an earthquake in my life and uh, this was the person I wanted to spend the rest of my life with, I thought, and I was I was in love with them, and I didn't see it coming. I mean, I can't say I didn't see it coming. I, I think I saw it coming, but, you know, you try to deny it. But anyway, so when that happened, I that was a big pivot for me because I immediately left the house. My roommates were mad at me. Like, all this drama happened. Well, anyway, going back to the Ellen show, um, Five years later, after we divorced, I got a phone call from Disney and they were like, we're, we want to send you money because we've sold the Ellen show on DVD to Germany or something. And, you know, where do we send money to? And I said, oh, here's my address now. And they said, do you know how to get a hold of so-and-so, my ex? I said, well, I, I don't know. It's been five years since we've been divorced, but I, I think I have his brother's number, his mom's number. I can call and try to reach him. So I called the number. And I got his brother on the phone and his brother told me that he had recently passed away from hepatitis and I really didn't know. Um, so that was sad. But uh, and previous to that, um, I learned that he wanted to become a woman, which explained a lot of issues that I had no <laughs> idea what, what was going on. <laughs> so it doesn't explain why he cheated on me with other women. He was not gay necessarily. I think he was bisexual, but uh, he he had these issues that he wouldn't talk to me about. And apparently that was one of them. That was probably the main one, which is why he was so confused and so self-destructive. That's what he kept doing is self-destructive things. And I didn't understand it at the time. And um, so anyway, that explained a lot. And that's the Ellen show thing. The Ellen show is what helped me learn that my ex-husband was dead, <laughs> which is kind of <laughs> that's, Yeah, that's, that's not a really great connection. <laughs> you know, not great, but you know, hopefully it won't be a trigger in the future. Okay, oh, that's no. that's all we want. Yeah. yeah. And so so what what did you do next? Didn't you do some things in Hollywood? Um, well, uh, I was working, I think at the time at Universal Cartoon Studios as an executive assistant and a production coordinator. Um, and then the internet happened. And I got really excited about the internet. I was just like, whoa, mind blown. And I had to do something in the internet. So while I was at Universal, I convinced my boss 
to let me uh, work on a couple of internet projects and DVD projects that kind of were related. So we had um, cartoon properties and I got my boss to let me head up the production of a Casper website on Fox Kids Network because, you know, she was like, we should have Casper on the web. And I'm like, yeah, we should. <laughs> I said, but but why would we pr produce a Casper website with no audience and try to market that and get an audience when Casper is being aired on Fox Kids Network and they already have a kid's website and a kid audience of many thousands, tens of thousands of kids and they have content and Casper could be part of their content. So she said, great idea, go ahead, work on this. So that's when I contacted Fox Kids Network. And this was right before my divorce from my first husband. So it kind of overlapped. But um, so I, that's where I, I met Dan um, and he was at Fox Kids Network and we worked together on the Casper project. And that was pretty cool. Um, shortly after that, I wanted more. I wanted more to do with the internet. I wanted to learn more stuff. And I, I, I wanted to learn Photoshop and stuff. I wanted to learn how to do art and coding and all that stuff. So I actually somehow through a friend of a friend got word that they were looking for a production artist at Disney online. And I quit my job of like many, many years um, at Universal to go to Disney online and do web production. Um, which was a very low level job at the time. And, but uh, I learned a lot and they were really great about teaching me. And I learned how to do Disney online stuff and uh, produce artwork for their, their live chats. And they were doing a lot of online activities for kids and things like that. So that's why I learned to do Photoshop and some coding and things like that. <laughs> and then uh I decided that this is when the internet was just blowing up and people were making 60 grand to build a website. <laughs> I remember. I yes, remember. You know that. That's where Good I met days. you. <laughs> so yeah, so I eventually quit quit Disney Online to go start my own company with my husband. And we started our own company and started building websites for, you know, Doritos and, uh, you know, Red Ant Records and other record companies and food companies and Nestle. And I actually built the Girls Gone Wild website myself. <laughs> I did, uh. I did the little, you know, I did everything. I, I designed the interface. I designed the there's a there was a little tic-tac-toe game where the girls like has her shirt down and then you click on it and she lifts her shirt up <laughs> and you play tic-tac-toe with these little <laughs> anyway I, I didn't that. know that I didn't know you had done that because I yeah. I, I can't remember his name but I I met him years later so I had no <laughs> idea that you did that that's yeah, cool. yeah yeah well then shortly after that the internet bubble burst and everything went kaput and there was no money in it. All the high schoolers were doing websites and the, uh, the amount of money out there for websites was just like died. And so we decided to pack up and buy an RV and go hit the road and play music. And we were only gonna leave for two years, but we did it for six. And we burned through all the money we made on selling our condo and all the money we made in the internet business. And we just burned through it over six years and traveled the world, well, U.S., in an RV and played music. We played Farm Aid in 2004. That was like the highlight. Um, and it, we had a great time. It was, it was wonderful. And, uh, you know, then I came back to L.A. after six years. We burned through everything and we filed bankruptcy and got a divorce. 
And oh, but I, wait a minute. Before we get back to LA, didn't you guys live in Nashville for a while? Yeah, we actually bought a house in Nashville um, and we lived in it for two years. And then, then the housing market was going to take a dump and we knew it, it was coming. And so we, we were having, we were already running out of money and credit and didn't have any more, we didn't have jobs. We were just playing music and we had run out of everything. And we knew that we couldn't pay the next mortgage payment unless we sold the house. So we sold the house just in time <laughs> and um, we got out from under it. Basically, we, I don't think we really made much money, but we maybe made enough to come back to L.A. But um, we, we sold that house pretty quickly and uh, and, you know, tail between our legs came back to L.A. Well, I and wouldn't then, say it was tail between your legs. I would say <laughs> you 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 did some wild, wonderful things for six full years. And I wouldn't trade any of those experiences for anything. And that's know. what I was going to ask you. Would you trade a moment of it? I, yeah. No. <laughs> no. And that's what I mean about me being weird. I, I'm the kind of person who just picks up everything and says, nope, let's go do this crazy thing. <laughs> Why not? I can't not do that. I, can't. I, I appreciate it. I, again, one of my favorite things about you. I'm going to die one day. I want to remember some good shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 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 I mean, I, I love that. And so you came back to LA and you got a divorce. Yeah. Um, and then what were the well, life choices? Well, okay. So I'm back in LA living. I haven't, we have an RV. Um, he stayed with his sister uh, till he found his own place. And I took the RV and I lived in the RV on the streets in Los Angeles for uh, a while. Um, you know how hard it is to drive a 32 foot RV around Santa Monica to a job interview. Where do you park? <laughs> I could not imagine. <laughs> I had to turn off the lights after dark because I didn't want people to know I was a girl in there alone. You know, I was parked in Venice beach on different streets. I had to move by certain times because the parking, you know, changes. And I, I, I learned where all the dump stations were, you know, but they want 10 bucks every time you want to dump your tanks in, in Santa Monica. So, you know, I didn't have 10 bucks. I was literally living on uh, cucumbers, tomatoes, and a chicken breast. Like that's what I would eat because that was healthy and I could barely afford food and gas at the time. I was taking buses to interviews. I was driving the RV. Um, RV gas is expensive. It's expensive to run an RV. But I would go to Kinko's to do my resume and to send emails and stuff because I, you know, we didn't have Wi-Fi in the RV. So, you know, I was just really living on the street for a little while in the, in the comfort, you know, the RV was great, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I couldn't keep up the payments after a while too. So that, it was just hard. It was just a hard moment in life, but, um, I was looking for work and suddenly I got a call for something I submitted my resume to, and I got a job offer from MySpace. And I, space. Wow. MySpace. <laughs> yes. So I went to work for MySpace. They offered me more money than I asked for, which was wild. I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> and I bought a car and I started working in MySpace, loved it, loved the people there, loved the job. I was just a ad ops person, you know, um, looking, you know, advertising back end stuff. And um, I loved it. And, uh, you know, it was great. And I worked there for two years and suddenly Facebook came around and knocked everybody out of the ballpark. 
And so MySpace downsized like 30, 40% of their co of the company and I got downsized. So I lost that position, which made me cry. Um, but by that time I was living in Lake Arrowhead with my uh, boyfriend who, you know, we moved up here to Lake Arrowhead. So I had been commuting to MySpace, which was a two and a half hour commute each way um, so I ended up renting a boat in Marina del Rey for a couple nights a week and staying on the boat. I'd just bring my guitar down and just stay by myself on the boat a couple nights a week to, you know, limit my, my driving time, you know, back and forth. But when I lost the, the job at MySpace, that kind of opened up the opportunity for me to look for something up here where I lived. And I worked for about a year, just being a real estate assistant up here for very little money. And it was very hard and, uh, you know, stressful and, you know, I was broke. <laughs> but um, but after that year, then a friend that I had met told me about this position where I'm at now, and I read the description, and it was like booking bands, doing marketing, doing website stuff, doing Photoshop, doing this, doing that. I'm like, that's me. <laughs> there's there's nobody else for this job up here but me. That's that's my job. <laughs> that is so me, and it couldn't have been more me. And so I, I went for it and they hired me and I've been there nine years and, you know, it's been great. I might, the tables turned, I was, instead of just a performer and now I'm a booker, I'm actually got bands coming to me and, and begging me for dates. <laughs> yeah, I'm the one begging for dates. You know? yeah. I so I say. understand it. I get it. And I get how band members like to be treated like rock stars. And so I treat them well. I try to do, you know, make them happy and make them comfortable, make them have a good time so they can perform well. And I understand it. And every once in a while, if a band knows that I sing, they'll ask me to sing with them. In fact, I sang uh, with the Eagles tribute band just this past Saturday night. I sang a Linda Rod sad song. Oh my <laughs> gosh. How fun. Yeah, it was fun. How fun. It was fun. So I get, I get that opportunity every once in a while. I perform around town and I still have my Renfair group that I perform with every once in a while, but this last year and a half has been tough because nobody's been performing. So yeah. COVID, yeah. That's, that's, that's been a, a real yeah. difficult time for anybody yeah. in the performing arts. Yeah. So now where you're at is you're facing, um, which pivot to take, right? which pivot to take, which is yeah. a fabulous place to be in. It yeah. really is a fabulous place to be in. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited about it. Actually. I don't know what's going to happen, <laughs> what I'm going to do, but I'm excited. I don't think that's ever been a priority for you. No. <laughs> I think that's a wonderful thing. There's freedom in that. There's freedom there in not having to have it defined. I know, but I, I'm not used to it. I, I'm kind of used to having more of an idea of what direction I want to go. Um, but, you know, I, I say that, but I, I feel like that's true. But maybe maybe I'm wrong because, I mean, all this stuff that's happened to me, the divorces, the moving, the all this stuff, you know, I didn't know what I was going to go do at that time, really, every time, you know. Right. Some of that stuff is involuntary. Um, but when I take a voluntary move sometimes like this one is most of the time, I know what I'm going for this time it's voluntary. And I don't really know. <laughs> no. Well, I think age can also play a part in yeah. redefining the jumping off part, because if, if you think it, when you're 20 mm -hmm. and you're, it's like, okay, this is what I want. And, yeah. 
and typically there's the because I will blah 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 right right down the I road go in this direction I want to be this I want to be that right right <laughs> right exactly yeah. and at this stage of the game one of the one of the things I think is really cool and wonderful is you've been all those things and you right. can evaluate your life knowing those things that gave you pleasure those things that really stoked that passion as versus True. the things that you did that were taking you to the next place right well you know a lot of what you do in your you know 20s and 30s is chase the money oh yeah and so you know i mean i've always needed to be self-sufficient i've always needed to be independent i've always needed to take care of other people even you know um i've always been the one who's had a steady job you know and growing up with you know my dad kind of instilled in me you know learn to type, you know, <laughs> uh, you need to have, you need to have income, you need to take care of yourself, you know? So in a way, uh, that was good advice, you know, but I think so- sometimes that idea clipped my wings that time where I felt like I limited myself because I didn't trust that I could have more. And I think at times I, I just felt like what I needed to do was get that job and have a full-time job and have benefits and have that 401k and all that kind of stuff. Whereas if I, if I perhaps trusted the universe more, or maybe if I'd had a benefactor of some sort, I might've been able to stretch my wings in different areas that I might've had more passion for. But sometimes you're just water in a stream and you're kind of just going where it's taking you and you really don't have a whole lot of control over, over a lot of it. Um, you do have ultimate control. I don't believe that I'm a victim of anything. Um, I do think you do have ultimate control. I could have said no to a lot of things. And I did, there were a lot of things I, I went against the tide on, you know, like when I, when I was working for seven years with Orange County Register in my 20s and decided to move with my bandmates to Venice Beach, California and quit my job of seven years. My dad told me I was fucking up my life. <laughs> like, no, dad, <laughs> I'm, I'm flying. See, this is flying. So, so, you know, and it never turned out to be a mistake to fly. It never turned out to be a mistake to take a chance on myself. So other people might see it that way. Um, But, you know, honestly, if I really think about it, I can't even think that there's anything I've done where I could consider it a mistake, you know? Isn't that interesting that you, you know, and when you really do ponder, because there are moments, I remember moments in my life at young ages where you think, oh my gosh, I've messed my life up for the rest of my life, you know, and very dramatic. And, you know, well, I'm a little dramatic, Um, but, but, you know, now um, when you get a little more experience Mm -hmm. uh, with flying and pursuing Mm -hmm. what you want, there's a confidence that I think comes from that in yourself. A trust in yourself. Absolutely. You have to trust yourself. You have to just trust because, I mean, you know, I don't know, religious people say trust in the Lord, you know, and he'll take care of you and his eyes on the sparrow and all that kind of thing. And I'm not a real religious person, I'm a very spiritual person, but I do agree with the concept um, because I really do think that the universe takes care of us. And and if you do trust that, I do think that that the portals open up 
you know, <laughs> portals <laughs> of opportunity open up once you actually give up control and, and you know, um, do what you need to do. You have to do the work, but you also have to be open and trusting as well, I think. And so whenever I've done that, that's always been a win, always. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think I think that's spot on, yeah. spot on. So, okay, okay. we're going we're gonna to have to do some other kind of a touch up uh, later on and come back and hear what <laughs> pivot you, you chose and, and okay. what your process was with that. I, I'd love to hear that. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. Oh, no, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, this is, this is one of my favorite parts is I I love James Lipton, you know, James Lipton of the actor studio and the 10 questions. Okay. Okay. But I made up my own 10 questions. Okay. Okay. All right. So the first one is, is what is your favorite place? My favorite place, Uh, the beach, the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I just sort of feel at one with everything there. One with the universe. I, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I, I love sunbathing and laying on the sand and swimming in the ocean. That's my favorite thing. I love that. Okay. So what's your least favorite place? Boy, skid row. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I completely understand that. (laughs) Okay. So um, what about social media turns you on? Social media, what? What about social media turns you on? Oh, um, just being in touch with people on a regular basis, being able to just like have them at your fingertips, basically your friends and family and, and, you know, finding interesting things, interesting articles and sharing those kind of things. That's what turns me on about it. Okay. So what about social media turns you off? Ah, the hate, Mm -hmm. the hate and just people feeling so protected by the anonymity that they can be cruel. And that that's really what turns me off. I've, many times thought I can't do this anymore. I'm out. (laughs) There's the other stuff, the good parts, you know, so I just try to, you know, negative people. I try to tune them out. I try to unfollow things like that. If if they're really bad, you know, I, I can't say any of us are immune to being like that from time to time, but um, it's, it's very quick. You, you, you can quick, be quick to judge and quick to speak and quick to say something and quick to judge somebody. And, um, you know, it's just, it's awful. I agree with you. I agree with you. Okay. So what are your favorite silly things on the internet? Cat videos. (laughs) 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 An animal, all animal videos. They're just wonderful. You know, right there with you. I am right there with you. Okay. So what's your favorite technology? Uh, My favorite technology. Hmm. Well, I love that I can do anything from my iPhone. Anything, <laughs> anything. I love that there's a camera right there. I can <laughs> uh, check my email. I love that I can go on the web. I love that I can reserve tickets. I love apps. I love all of that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. So what is your least favorite technology? 
that you have to use? <clears throat> hmm. Probably. Um, I was going to say spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> But I actually don't hate to use them. You know, they're kind of nice and convenient and they do what you want them to do. But, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm more of a creative type than, than a numbers type, you know, yeah. so you know, I don't hate it, but not the most fun. Yeah, it's your least favorite. It's your least favorite. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. We could go with that. Yeah. Okay. So what was harder for you? Trying something new or doing something you didn't like? doing something I didn't like. Yeah, it's amazing how hard that is, isn't it? Yeah. But what if they're the same thing? <laughs> <laughs> well, it can be. But, but, but that not liking what you're doing can be a driving force to make you change your life. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And a lot of I'm people willing to try anything, <laughs> yeah. but if I don't like it, I don't want to keep doing it. <laughs> exactly. And the cool thing is, is you don't have to, right? Right. I mean, that's right. the freedom. That's the freedom. I mean, you know, sometimes you have to suck it up. Sometimes in order to do some things that you do like, you have to do a few things that you don't like, you know, no job is perfect. No person is perfect there. You know, there's that trade-off, but, um, but in general, yeah, I don't want to do something I don't like really. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Okay. So what one item would you take with you to, to a deserted island? My kitty cats. <laughs> <laughs> Can I take them both? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you can't leave one behind. And if I could take a third thing, it would be my iPhone. So I could get yeah. iTunes. <laughs> iTunes. I love it. Music. And you've got Wi-Fi, I guess. Yes. And yeah. you know, bl- Bluetooth speaker at least. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My Alexa? Can I take my Alexa? Yeah, see, and here we go. Damn it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so when you're older, and I evidently I have to define this for everybody, um, yes. older is 15 years beyond wherever you're at. Okay. okay. All right. What are you so, going to look back on with fondness? Um, everything. <laughs> Um, what you want specifics um I'm gonna look back on my travels um and my friends and my family and experiences we've had together all the music I've played Mm. yeah yeah sweet Mm -hmm. Well, Vicki, thank you so much for talking with me today. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, you can follow me on Instagram at Pivots and Potholes and on Twitter at Pivots Potholes. Thanks again.